All right, Justin. This game's going to be a little different today for this episode. We're going on a two-parter here. In this first part of the game, you and Heather are guaranteed a point each if Heather doesn't decide to argue with me for giving her a point regardless like she tends to do weirdly. Okay. Okay. So are you going to argue with me for giving you a point, Heather? No, of course not. Okay. And the reason being is I want to go on a little mini rant here. That is not necessarily movie specific, like related. It's not related to any specific movie or anything like that. This is a rant against the theater chain of AMC theaters. Which is what I mainly see my movies at. Largest theater train in the country, uh, theater chain in the country. So pandemic started and AMC ran into a lot of financial problems during the pandemic. Really relied on a lot of the government PPP loans or the whatever the fuck those things were called, you know, because, you know, nobody was going through to movies. Everything was shut down. They had to buy a bunch of shit to sterilize theaters and all this other stuff when they could reopen, you know, they had to sterilize between each showing all kinds of stuff. You know, they had to limit screen sizes and, you know, AMC doesn't own many of their buildings. They had landlords for a lot of their stuff. So they were having to forego rent payments and all this stuff. And they were just losing a lot of money and their credit value was uh, lowered and all kinds of stuff, having all kinds of financial problems. And now theaters are back open again. I'm not saying it's the same as it used to be, but theaters are back open again and stuff like that. And if you've gone to an AMC theater since reopening and stuff like that, you may have noticed that they do an ad at the beginning of their movies, like after the trailers and after they plug like their AMC stubs list and premiere stuff, which I'm a member of. So I get why they do that part of it. I get that. You know, it's also the same ad that says like, hey, don't talk on your phone, you know, be courteous, all that shit. Uh, You know, so I get all that. That's your standard movie theater stuff. And then right before the, the movie starts, there's another ad. And it's got Nicole Kidman. And she's <laughs> sitting there. And Heather's laughing because I know she now knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about how, you know, it's so great to come to the movies again. And all this stuff about, oh, man, going to the movies. It's wonderful. You know, we all need the emotions. And she's like, you know, we all get excited when the lights dim. And she says that line. Would that not be the most perfect time for the lights to dim? But of course they don't. They wait another 30 seconds while this ad is still going for the lights to dim. And I'm like, so you're still dimming the lights during this ad, but not during the line of getting excited when the lights dim? Missed opportunity there, AMC. But that's not what the point of the rant is. The point of the rant is, why the fuck are you having an ad with Nicole Kidman, which you know that means it ain't cheap? It's Nicole Kidman. 
Why are you having an ad telling people how great it is to go to the movie theater that you only play at movie theaters? We're already there. You don't need to fucking tell us anything about going to the movie theaters. We are already in your theater. Why, after having the biggest (laughs) financial crisis of your company's life, are you then coming out of this pandemic going, let's waste money to get Nicole Kidman to tell people in the theaters how great it is that they, you know, to see movies in the theaters and that they should go to the theaters. You're already there. What the fuck kind of financial sense does that make? Especially when I sit there and I order one of my favorite movie stacks at an AMC. It's a one and a half pound warm soft pretzel called the Bavarian legend. And do you know what the fuck happened to my Bavarian legend when I saw the Eternals? A third of it, fucking half a pound of it, was fucking uncooked on the inside. And I'm not talking like a little doughy and raw in the middle because it's a big fucking hefty pretzel. No, no, no. I'm talking this thing is fucking soggy, uncooked dough. Raw. Oh, no. So quit fucking wasting money making commercials to say fucking come to where you're already at to only play where you're already at and fucking teach people and get the equipment necessary to fucking cook your food properly. (laughs) I think you should insert like a clap sound there. No. That was dead on. I don't need that. I just need them to fix their shit. Wow. Seems like your past few uh, movie experiences haven't been that great. Man, you're (laughs) telling me. But, no, I just had to get that off my chest. Because I'm just like, why are they wasting this money after being in financial crisis? And then they can't even cook my goddamn pretzel. Um, that's a fair point. So that's that part. That's part one. So just by allowing me to go on the rant and not trying to argue with me about it, you both got a point. So now for part two of this, this is based on a TikTok I saw. So I'm just curious and I won't tell you anything until afterwards, but let's, you know, of the, like the Mr. Pib, Dr. Pepper, Dr. Thunder type of beverages. You know, that type of flavor of cola. Justin, what is the best of that type of cola? Would. Hmm. I'm going with Dr. Pepper. That's my favorite of those. Of that bunch. I've always been a Dr. Pepper person and. To this day, that is like my weakness. I was so happy when they came out with um, Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Because then I was like, okay, so I can at least have this sometimes. Though I will say, the uh, this is kind of off topic, but I'll just say it anyway. Who cares? Um, the, the new tasting Coke Zero is very good too. So there, I'm done. I have no idea why you're talking about Coke Zero. Anyway, uh, Heather, 
same thing. <laughs> what about you? So it's the options of which it's, one's Dr. It's, Pepper. Well, it's like it's it's that type of soda that Dr. Pepper, Dr. Thunder, Mr. Pib, you know, that uh, flavor profile of cola. What if that flavor profile is your favorite? I got to say Dr. Pepper as well. I have to. All right, and both of you lose a point because fuck you guys. It's Mr. Pib. Fuck everybody. Mr. Pib. Oh, I had a feeling you were going to say that. better than Dr. Pepper. Uh, let's be even more fair to it. It's not Mr. Pib. It's fucking Pib Extra. It's fucking better than yeah. Dr. Pepper. I will die on that fucking mountaintop. That's what it is. It's a mountaintop. It's not even a hill. I'm so fucking right. It's a mountaintop. And I will die on it. I had a feeling you were going to say Pib for some reason. Because it's obviously the best. Now, the reason why I brought it up is because there was this TikTok and it was like, you know, a real Texan knows which one's Dr. Pepper and all that type of fucking hyped up bullshit. So it's this like guy and he's like tasting six of these beverages. It's like, you know, like I said, Dr. Thunder, uh, Dr. Pepper, Mr. Pib. There's like Mr. B, uh, this like Stivia bullshit and one other one. And so he has to rank them in order. Of, you know, because it's like the goal is that, you know, number one is obviously going to be Dr. Pepper, that type of thing. And so he goes and he ranks them. And he puts Dr. Pepper as fifth out of six. As in like the fifth lowest. And he like the one he swears up and down is Mr. Pib in the blind taste test. Or this Dr. Pepper is Mr. Pib. And he gives it number one. And I'm like, yeah. Because if you don't know what you're drinking and you're just told it's Dr. Pepper or you just think it is, Mr. Pib will win every time because it's just genuinely better. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. I always found Mr. Pib to be a little too sweet. I like that Dr. Pepper isn't as sweet. So that was always my reasoning. I've always found that Dr. Pepper tastes a little bit too much like prunes. And I'm not saying that as a dig on Dr. Pepper. And that's because the prune juice, like the prune flavoring is kind of what makes that cola what it is. That's one of the 23 ingredients. And to me, Dr. Pepper is just a little bit more prune heavy than Mr. Pib. And that's why I think I like Pib better. Okay. I mean, can we at least all agree that maybe that like Fresca is better than Squirt? Can we agree on that at least, guys? <laughs> yes. I don't know if I've ever had the, the well, what was the other one you said? I've had Fresca. What was the other one? Squirt? You've never had a Squirt? I don't think I have. What about a Mellow Yellow? Yes, maybe like years ago, and I don't think I liked it. If I'm thinking right, they're all technically grapefruit-flavored uh, colas. And I just think Fresca has such a clean taste to it. Love me some Fresca. I say all that, No, I hate grapefruit. I fucking despise grapefruit. I think grapefruit is one of the worst things that has ever happened to humanity. But I love me some fucking Fresca. 
It's so good. I think it's because it tastes nothing like grapefruit, even if it is a grapefruit-flavored beverage. Anyway, that's all. That's that. That's the game today. It's a little different. These are just things that are on my mind. So, the gaming gods told me, hey, Sterling, go with what you're feeling. That's what I was feeling. Well, there you go. Now, here's our song. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today, we will be talking about the brand new MCU release, The Eternals. We will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with that movie. And we will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around if you so require. Now, with that also, I do have a question to continue what we were talking about. I should have asked before our song, but fuck it. Who cares? Um, Now, Justin, are you one of those people, though, that if you go to a place and you're like, hey, can I get a Dr. Pepper? And they go, hey, we've only got Pib. Is that okay? Are you one of those people that will go, ugh, Coke, then I guess. Yeah, I don't get Mister Pip. I, I, I don't <laughs> like it that much. Wait, you're telling I me get it? You were one of those it's people. Too sweet man, it's too sweet man. Those were some of my least favorite people at the movie theater working concessions. <laughs> when you're just sitting there and they go, Doctor Pepper, and you go, We've got Pip, and they go, Ugh. It's such a it's such a disappointment when you hear that. All <laughs> we it. have is pip. It's just such a disappointment. They're just sitting there going, "It's like I can't handle like the superior beverage." When you hear that, <laughs> no nah, man, that's and, and, and Texas people like they know, man. Like real Texas people know, man. Like that's almost like hearing a family member died <laughs> when you don't have <laughs> Doctor Pepper, but you got this. Come on, dude. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's say... because Texas can't handle the best. That's what it is. <laughs> it's just like Texas people are just say, going, oh my God, something that tastes good. Uh, I can't handle it. Oh man, that's, man, I hate, I would hate when I would go somewhere and then I would go up and, and, and man, really looking forward to a Dr. Pepper. And then I get there and it's pib and I'm like, damn it, man. Like, why does this happen to me? That's what you feel like. Yeah, I will say I'm I'm like that with um like Coke versus Pepsi though. Like if I go somewhere and I want like a Diet Coke and they say, "Oh, we only have Pepsi products." I will instead just get like water or something. I just really don't like Pepsi. <laughs> well, I get that because, you know, Pepsi does taste like shit compared to Coke. I get that. Right. I just don't understand why you just Hate good tasting beverages, Justin. That's too sweet. You need to try that Coke Zero, though. 
I mean, I bet it tastes like Coke Zero. <laughs> you know that you know how the commercials are like. I have to try it first. You need to try it, man. You have to try it first. Okay, Justin, I will try the <laughs> new formula Coke Zero. I guess. Yeah. Now I will say this one thing that's in Dr Pepper's defense, and I don't know about uh this in the Mister Pip sense. Diet Dr Pepper does legitimately taste like regular Dr Pepper. Yeah, I like Diet Dr. Pepper. Yeah, I do prefer Diet Dr. Pepper over like Diet Coke or Diet yeah, whatever. Because they taste it, like it, diet. It's drinks. one of the better diets. Yeah. Yeah. Diet Dr. Pepper legitimately tastes way closer to Dr. Pepper than any other diet drink out there. And I, I'll give it that credit. Now, I say that having, I've never had Diet Mr. Pip, so I can't comment on its quality. But. I will give Dr. Pepper that. Diet Dr. Pepper's legit. So, that's fair. That's the one nice thing I'll say about Dr. Pepper. Anyway, Eternals. Uh, Jastic, go. Man, I think that I've just kind of come to the conclusion that sometimes when you hear, like, a lot of buzz about a movie, positive or negative, before you watch it. Like, if, if you hear just constantly, 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 this movie is bad, this movie is bad, this movie is bad, this movie is bad. Or you're constantly hearing, oh yeah, it's the greatest movie, oh it's the best since The Exorcist, oh it's the best movie like this that we've ever gotten. I do think that sometimes it can skew your expectations of something and so that so that sometimes like you're not really objectively going in but but prior to watching the movie it's almost like you've already kind of got this mindset that i'm gonna hate this or or man i'm looking forward to this i think i'm gonna love it you know and sometimes and yes i think there's always some preconceived thoughts going in but sometimes man i think when you get beat over the head with it, like they do with some movies before you get to see them, it does sort of like influence, I think, how you receive a movie. And that definitely happened to me with this because I'm in such a weird place with this movie. Like I really thought after, especially after everything that I heard, because I just kept hearing that it was terrible, that there's, it has no like, there's hardly anything positive about it that it's just um like the the worst marvel movie like that they that has ever been created and it's just awful and it's got a rotten score and this that and the other i just heard so much so many bad things about this before seeing it and i really think that that just sort of skewed my expectations going in because i really just expected this to be like the worst comic book movie that i've ever seen i really i think the the bad press had sort of gotten to me in that way because i just heard so much negative about this and after watching it i'm kind of in a weird place because on one end i don't think it's as bad 
as what maybe everybody or the press was saying it was. But on the other side of that, it's not good. Like, it's not a good movie. But it kind of sucks because, like, I saw the potential for this. I really wish that they had attacked this story a different way. Um, and by that, why the hell wasn't this on Disney Plus with 10 plus characters to develop and all of this backstory and all of this exposition and all of this other kind of stuff that we needed? Like, why did they decide to do this in one movie? I just wish that they hadn't done that. I just really wish that they hadn't done that because there are things here that I really like. There are concepts here that the characters talk about that are introduced and different like philosophical and moral things that I think are very, very like thought provoking and uh, places where Marvel movies haven't really been yet. You know, like it, 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 it raises some questions and some things that I do think is unique for the, for, for what we've gotten from Marvel studios. Uh, the, the cast is so incredibly diverse. Like I loved how diverse the cast was, but there are just so many of them that it's, it's so hard to care for every character because there are some characters that I feel got enough screen time for their arc to kind of be effective. But there are a lot of characters in here where by the time you arrive to where they think you have some emotional resonance with that character. You just don't because you didn't see enough of them. You didn't see enough of their story. You don't know enough about them to care about what is happening to them. So that's unfortunate. Um, I mean, there are people saying that it's unlike any other Marvel movie. And in some ways I do agree with that. The, the tone of this is a lot different. The way that this is shot is a lot different. But ultimately, when you, by the time you get to the third act, there definitely are those familiar Marvel beats. Um, so there's that. So yeah, like, but, but ultimately, I didn't find this as boring as what I had heard. I didn't find it boring. I, I just found it to be overstuffed I, I was interested in what i was seeing but not everything landed with me by the time that we got to the end and it's really unfortunate because i liked a lot of these characters i love a lot of these people i mean kit harrington uh you know good old john snow from game of thrones uh the king of the north you know richard madden rob stark who plays icarus in this you know, I love those guys, man. And I liked them in the roles that they were in this. I, I liked their roles in this. You know, it was cool to see. I hadn't seen Angelina Jolie in a minute. I, it was good to see her. Uh, Gemma Chan, which is kind of as Cersei, who's kind of like the heart and soul of this. I, I think that she does a respectable job. And there are some other standout people in here, too. Um, you know, like that I'll get into and just talk about them. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry, he was great in this too. Like the acting in this, I thought was very good. You know, the, the, the actors did the best with what they were given. Um, it's just that this was so much, the scale and the scope is so big and you have so many characters that you just really could not do this narrative justice. 
And in all honesty, it just sort of felt like, like it was almost like Marvel just didn't learn any lessons from DC. Like this felt like that first cut of the justice league movie where like there were too many characters. You, we hadn't seen not, not some of the characters didn't get their own movie or didn't get their own story. So we're trying to like get you to care about this group of characters in this one film. And that's ultimately what this films, what this feels like. It really is a Marvel Studios version of a DCEU movie. And I know that a lot of times people are like, you know, Marvel, there are anti-Marvel people that are like, man, you know, Marvel fans, you know, they just think that Marvel can do nothing wrong. You know, Marvel just, they always, there's movies always get positive reviews. They always do well, this, that, and the other, you know, Marvel can do no wrong. But I think that this movie proves that there is something that Marvel can't even do. You just cannot have this many characters without any prior narrative to develop them. And I don't think tell an effective story with just this many characters. And I know before people say, well, they did it in Guardians. Way less characters, different kind of narrative, different kind of story. You know what I mean? Or they did it with Thor Ragnarok. A lot of those characters were already developed and, and still it was nowhere near as many characters as this has. So I think that this is the biggest undertaking of Marvel where they've, or the biggest collection of characters that they have taken on, like in a narrative, you know, other than like in game and stuff, but I'm talking about just as a singular origin story narrative. Like we haven't seen these characters before and this is the first time we're seeing them. This is the biggest one, and I just really wish that they had attacked this a different way. And then on top of that, there are just a bunch of different narrative problems that I have that I'll go into more detail in. But yeah, uh, ultimately, this is middle of the road for me. I saw potential. I saw a lot of there were a lot of elements that I liked. There are a lot of there's a lot of good um, acting in this. And there are a lot of story elements that I did like. But ultimately, the sum of its parts is not a good film unfortunately so yeah man this was a misstep for marvel and they haven't had many you know this year i mean wandavision was great falcon and the winter soldier was great loki was very good uh what i've seen from the what if episodes you know i haven't seen all the episodes but the episodes that i've seen from what if were very good black widow was solid shane chi in my opinion, is still the best comic movie to come out this year. And then this is definitely a step down from all of that. This was a misfire, a misstep, uh, a very rare misstep from Marvel Studios. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I do have to agree. I think mostly this movie was just very underwhelming. Um, you know, and maybe it was partially the whole it's being built up or there because they wanted it to be this big thing. And I don't know, there's something very underwhelming about the movie as a whole, um, versus what I'm sure they wanted it to be. So I, I have the same sentiment you do on it, Justin. I, I wasn't a fan. I, I think it's not only of this year, but I think it might be one of the least thought out or 
least well done Marvel movie, probably of most Marvel movies they've done, to be honest. I think just when you see the quality of what they've done in all the other films and all of that, like this is just not up to par because we've talked so much about how Marvel has been so good about how they develop their stories and how they develop their characters and how great they are mm-hmm. at doing that. And that's what keeps you interested in these movies that keep coming out. And this was just completely, um, you know, off the beaten path of all of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I just think it was a big in general misfire for Marvel, not just for this year, but just in general, it was just not, it felt to me more like, like X-Men level of how they did the movie than it was Marvel specific. You know what I mean? Like just kind of the yeah. vibes I got and the, the quality of the storylines and everything they do. It was more like X-Men standard than it was Marvel universe standard. Um, not to say X-Men's not part of Marvel, but you know, in general, like the movies that came out about X-Men. So, um, and that's more what it reminded me of. It reminded me more of those movies instead of Marvel universe movies. Um, and it's really unfortunate because as you've stated, there's just so many great actors in this movie. Like this is top notch. Like you've got some Oscar winning Emmy winning actors in this movie all over the place with it. And it's just, I don't, I don't even know if I can say that they had good performances per se. I do think you're right that they did the best they could with what they were given with the script and the story. But I mean, I couldn't just stand out or no specific person stands out as like, you know what? That person is like just a really phenomenal actor. Like this would not be in anybody's best body of work of their acting performances that I can, that I would be able to tell. Um, And because they did try to jam pack so much into the movie, it really does make you not really connect with the characters as much or care quite as much about a lot of the characters that might otherwise have been really good or if they were more developed or had a chance to be more developed, they would have been really good characters. Um, I mean, I, I legit think there's like three characters that were interesting. I think Brian Tyree Henry was good. I think uh, Kumail Nanjiani was entertaining. And I think that uh, Barry Keoghan, who is uh, Druig, I think he was great. I actually think that he might have been one of the better performances, which is sad because he's probably the least experienced of those people. Um, you know, and, and, and it's not to say that they are, again, bad actors. It's just the way that they did this movie, you, you don't have a chance to get to know their characters enough to care or be invested in them the way that you would normally be in Marvel movies. And it's a shame because, yeah, they, they could have potentially been so much better. And another big problem I had is I don't really like how they paced this movie. It was super long, um, unnecessarily. And I do think that they just, there were issues with how they kind of cut it together. Like the, the time jumping from the present to the past and telling certain stories. I don't like how they did it in this movie. Um, I think it wasn't anything that really added to the story that well. Like, I think it just kind of was more, um, not confusing, but it was just more like a nuisance kind of like how they 
decided to piece that together in this movie, in my opinion. And I just think that they really could have done that in a much better way, especially up front. There's just so many things that happen and it you, it almost feels like you started like 30 minutes into this movie or something. Um, it just goes like a mile a minute from the beginning and then it sort of gets its footing and towards the middle gets a little bit better with how it does the story and the pacing, you know, but it just that first, you know, half hour of the movie is just so all over the place, you know, because they're trying to fit so much into that time to give you this very, very baseline understanding of who these people are. But it just, it didn't work well at all. <laughs> you don't feel connected to these people. And it just, it, it was just not well put together. So, yeah, it's just really unfortunate. And I hope it's not going to be a pattern going forward with how Marvel movies are. I'm hoping it is just kind of a one-off misstep, as Jason said. But yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, yes, I've definitely seen worse movies, but I, I genuinely, I'm thinking in my head and I don't know if I can say I've seen a worse Marvel movie. So, and, and again, worse Marvel movie is still better than a lot of other movies out there. So for me, it's still just very middle of the road. So, um, it was fine and it was okay, but it was definitely nothing special. And I think it was wasted potential of, building better characters with the actors that they had in these roles. So I'm going to start my part off by uh, talking about my TikTok review of this movie. I, I, I talk about one, one of the things I say in there, and I think it's been misconstrued by some people. So I want to clarify something real quick. Cause I said, I feel like they misused or they wasted. I don't remember the exact words, but this is the sentiment of what I said. They wasted the diversity of their cast. Because one of my problems with this movie is I think a lot of the characters are insanely one dimensional and very uninteresting. And I think it's because they kept all the characters very shallow in order to, quote unquote, give you their backstories. Cause like Justin said, yeah. or like Heather said, there's like 57 characters in this movie. So they give each one of them a backstory and a current story and all this shit. And it's just very surface level and it's very sh like shallow. And it's to me, it came across very one dimensional. And so to me, that's what I meant when I said they wasted the diversity of their cast because I thought, and I feel that especially with the cast they had and the diversity that it would bring, you could tell so much more interesting stories with it. And we didn't get that. So I thought they wasted the diversity of their uh, cast in this by just making it very bland and having very bland one-dimensional characters in my point of view. And there was somebody today, I don't exactly remember uh, their TikTok name. It's like the true Republican something. I don't remember. And I looked at a couple of their videos, and it's very obvious, also based on their username, how they might feel about diversity. And I think he liked my video because I think he thought I was like, this is what you get for being woke, Marvel. Bad movie. <laughs> Which is not at all what I'm saying. I applaud the diversity of the cast. I think this movie wasted it. 
because I think it had more potential. Not that it was bad that it was diverse. That's, to me, one of the redeeming qualities of this movie is that I saw a TikTok video of this woman um, signing through a translator or uh, interpreter talking about how incredible it felt to see somebody uh, deaf and signing in a superhero movie. And that's an Mm -hmm. utterly fantastic thing. And I am so happy that somebody got to experience that. And that's awesome. And me not liking this movie, go fucking figure, does I in no way, shape, or form take away from the fact that somebody else got to experience that and it made them happy. That's awesome. And I applaud Marvel and Disney for doing stuff like that, even if it's just this one fucking person that felt that way. That's an awesome fucking thing. So I applaud that aspect of this movie. It's just, to me, narratively, they wasted it. Because they were, to me, dull characters. They were one-dimensional. And that made me sad. But I applaud them for that aspect of it. Like I said, if this one deaf person is the only person that felt that way because of this movie, I still think it's worth it. Because that's fucking rad that that happened. So I, I, I will never take away from that. That is a cool fucking thing. And... So it's just, you know, a shining example of even a movie that's a Marvel movie that for all intents and purposes, for most people, according to reviews and all this other stuff, you know, would be considered bad. And I would probably, and I'm going to go on a limb here, but I feel like I'm quite accurate with the statement. A lot of the fan negativity towards this movie might be, you know, might be a little inaccurate when you look at some of the fan scores, considering they were trying to give it negative scores before they fucking saw it. As we've seen them do before. But. Like my problems with this movie. Fall into the. Like a lot of the narrative issues. I think this movie is just riddled with them. The way they developed the characters. Was fucking terrible. Uh, It was. It's too jam packed. But then also weirdly enough. Not. Like. This movie. When it comes to introducing this, this movie is rife with constant character introductions in the most by the numbers paint a fucking picture bullshit thing ever. And then when you get to the end of the movie, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking with the end of this movie. I think it so much of the, this, the, the ending of this movie is a fail from a writing and directing standpoint, because, and this isn't spoilers. I'll keep this very general. There's weirdly too many villain plot lines happening at the end. Unnecessarily. So, and then they get a little too big with the ending. I think also, I I would not have gone this route for a first movie. We'll get more specific later, but I have problems with all that. Uh, I, I think a lot of the actors they chose were fucking fantastic. They were just given shit characters to me. You know? And they, they were just wasted. So much. I mean, oh god, I want to get into spoilers so bad. Uh, oh, oh, I will say this. Seeing Kit Harrington kind of do lame white guy dancing in a bar, I didn't know was one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> Because I had never seen it. 
But it's fucking cool. Just after seeing him be that stoic, you know, fucking asshat Jon Snow in Game of Thrones for so long. And I say asshat with just all the utmost uh, love and support ever. And then watching him in this movie, it really is night and day. I was like, oh, this is a fun Kit Harrington. I hope we get to see him in more movies now. I want to see this shit. I liked seeing it. Um, yeah. Also, kudos for this being the first Marvel movie we get to see some fucking in. Now, it's PG-13 <laughs> fucking. But it's fucking nonetheless. And I know in some of the Netflix series we get to see some fucking. You know, Jessica Jones has some fucking in it. But no, this is the first Marvel movie where they actually actively more or less show a sex scene. You know, they imply Tony Stark fucks. But we don't get to see Tony Stark fuck. We get to see some fucking. Now, it's weird fucking that happens in a desert. Who the fuck fucks in sand? That's weird. But they they fuck. I'll give them that. Way to go, Marvel. I'm down for that. Let's keep going. Let's have more superhero sex scenes. As long as they're just like this and they always happen in sand. Because you're just setting yourself up with a weird trope now. Um, I'm just playing around. But this is. It really is. I'm not lying. This is the first time we see fucking in a Marvel movie. So I think that's cool. Uh, but it's just one of those things that this movie... I, If you can guess. Like, Justin is... I mean, would, would it be fair to say, Justin, you are probably our biggest MCU fan on the podcast? Like, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but is that a fair statement? Like, just as far as who's, I mean, we've all. No, I'm just saying. Of us three, I would say so. But I'm just saying, you're the one that, at least right now, like, say before the Eternals, you know, would you say you're still the probably the bigger fan of the movies of us three? Yes. Um, uh, no, no, and that's fine. I'm not. I'm not trying to. Tra- I'm not trying to trap you or anything. I'm just. I'm trying to like paint a picture here. You know, and Heather tends to like them. You know, she doesn't have as much of a relationship yeah. to comics, but you tend to like them, do you not, Heather? Yes. Yeah, and I'm just saying all that to like point out that like you guys at this point in our podcasting and movie going experiences in general tend to be more high on Marvel still than I am. And you guys still, I, I don't want to say thought this movie was bad, but had lesser feelings about this than you typically do towards Marvel productions. And I'm just trying to use that to extrapolate as somebody who is kind of burnt out on Marvel movies. You can only imagine how much fucking worse it was for me watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all. Like I said, I wasn't trying to, you know, gotcha, anything like that. I'm just saying, like, when you're already burnt out on this stuff, it kind of is that much worse. You know, like, that does taint it also. Like you were talking about earlier, Jess, and, like, with things tainting your point of views on the movie and stuff, it's that much more tainted when you're just kind of burnt out on this shit. And then you watch this. Because I thought it was the longest movie I've ever seen in my fucking life. I watched this, like, roughly 24 hours ago. 
and you could also tell me that I'm still watching the movie, and I believe you because it felt like it was nine years long. And I did think it was rather boring. I really did. I didn't. And a lot of that's because I couldn't invest in any of the characters. You know, like, I found myself wanting to invest in some of the actors because I love them. Like, uh, Brian Tyree Henry. I love Brian Tyree Henry. I love him. So I'm constantly rooting for him to be great in this movie because I love him as an actor. So I found myself wanting to root for the actors. But that's also not what you should do necessarily in a movie. You should ideally root for the character they're playing. And then the movie made that tough. So I was not very high on this movie, if that's uh, unclear. At this point, not not high on this movie at all. Um, recommendations and scores? Yes. Yep. Recommendations and score. Um, Heather, go. Um, on a personal level, no, I don't recommend it. I think that it's going to kind of just leave you disappointed in... <laughs> In the Marvel movie universe, which is sad because, you know, it is the exception and not the rule of how their movies are, in my opinion. Um, I mean, it probably is something that is going to further storylines in Marvel later on. But as a movie, say it was just a standalone movie. I just don't think that it's a good enough movie to say, yeah, it's a must see. Um the action wasn't anything spectacular. The, um, you know, it was, it was fine. Everything about it was just fine. And most of the storyline itself was a little bit less than fine. <laughs> um, I would say probably, oh man. Yeah, no, I just, it's, it's just a really tough spot to be in with this one because I see the merit in, why you'd want to watch it. But, um, I mean, I guess it, the only, the only thing that would, that I would say for watching it is you will get a diverse cast, which is a really cool thing. But as a whole, the movie is just not up to par with what it could have been given that. So, um, I'm middle of the road with it. I am going to give it, um, 50, um, 50 separate cameras that Kingo's um, chauffeur brings with him to record everything out of 100. What about you, Justin? Yeah, so, I mean, as far as um, comparing it to other Marvel movies, definitely this is subpar um, compared to a lot of Marvel movies, you know, it definitely is going to be in that lower tier. And like I said, I think it is just a huge misstep in a lot of ways, you know, in a lot of ways, I wish that it could have come together. I, man, I just wish that they had attacked this a different way because there, there really are. It's one of those movies where like you see the potential in it. It had the ingredients to really be something special. 
And ultimately, it just falls so incredibly flat and just none of those things just really reach their full potential. Um, Now, to be fair, I know that the critics have been pretty, you know, um, it's been pretty low scoring as far as critic scores are concerned. Uh, It's got a pretty high fan score. So there are people that are actually coming out and kind of enjoying this. You spoke about that person who was just happy to see um, a, a deaf superhero on screen and see them doing the sign language and everything like that. And I believe the actress is a uh, is deaf too, right? Like the actress that they got is a deaf actress. So I believe so. Th- I can't. I think she is. I'm pretty sure. So, um, so I actually saw this movie. Um, I saw the closed caption one of this in theaters because the only seating I could find. Um, and she did the introduction to you know when they say you know thanks for watching the movie you know when they do those. She uh-huh. was the person doing that, and she was doing the sign language with it. So I think she is actually deaf. Okay, okay. So see, that's like really cool. Like, um, and I will at least say this for the movie: um, it, it is a lot different from like in its approach from other Marvel movies. And you know, there is a sect of the Marvel's, you know, Marvel Studio audience that that's what they said that they were clamoring for. You know, we want something different. We want a different style of movie. We want you to to attack these stories a different way, et cetera, et cetera. And um, this is kind of the result of trying something completely different. So obviously that that it different is not always what is needed. Everything is about the execution. So I would just recommend that Marvel just tell the best story. I don't care about the formula. I don't care if it's a little familiar to this one or that one. Everything is about how you execute. You know, everything is about that. And I think that this movie kind of shows that even if you try to do some things different, even if you try to make the cast more diverse, even if you try to raise some issues that you haven't really touched on in the Marvel universe. And even if you get kind of a director who really approached this with a completely different style than what they have done in the past, it doesn't always mean that that is what the audience is going to want, or that is what is always best for these stories. So I hope that Marvel kind of learns from this. Um, you know, and this just doesn't become like a pattern, kind of like what Heather uh, w- was talking about. Um, I, I, and I mean, as far as people going to see it, I mean, maybe I would say, I mean, because it is going to have certain story elements that are going to link up to the other Marvel movies. So it's kind of hard to miss if you are a person who's invested in getting this entire story but maybe the the best thing i can say is maybe you don't have to watch it in theaters like this is one that you could wait for to come to streaming and stuff like that you know it is long so it's one of those things you know do you want to spend two and a half hours watching this or would it be a little easier to watch in a streaming fashion i think it would be because then you can take breaks from it and stuff like that so maybe that's my caveat you know, it's all right. It's middle of the road, but yeah, you don't have to rush to the theater to see this thing. You know, if you want the entire Marvel Studios MCU story. So, with that being said, we're going to go with fifty-five. 
uh, world size celestial abortions. It was an abortion, wasn't it? Out of a hundred. Oh, such a weird way to fucking put that, Justin. Um, <laughs> but it was. You're, you're not wrong, Justin. I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying that's a weird way to put it. But you are you are 100 accurate, Justin. You are not wrong at all. Um, I can't say I recommend this. I no, I don't. I don't recommend this. If you're looking for something, though, I guess I'll agree with Justin. Wait till it's on streaming. It'll be on Disney Plus in like 45 days, I think. Just watch it there. That's fine. Don't waste your fucking time going to a theater, at least. Uh, Because, yeah, it's probably going to have some stuff that latches on to other Marvel movies in the future, which, I'm not going to lie, I'm infinitely more worried about Phase 4 now, and I'll go into that in a little bit in spoilers. But... I mean, like I said, I applaud Marvel for their diversity in this because of what it has done for people that watch these movies that felt underrepresented, underrepresented, and that's a, that's an awesome thing. I can't hate on this movie for that because you know that's just genuinely something that's good for our our world, and so I do appreciate that. But I don't appreciate the movie as a whole. And I'll start my spoilers off by by pitching something I, I think would be a better way to handle this story in a couple of ways. Uh, but I don't really recommend this. I don't know what to give this for a score. What did you give it, Justin? 55, he gave it. 55. So you gave it a 55. Heather gave it a 50. Um... So let's take Heather's score and then let's add Jason's two numbers together. Let's multiply that by two. Let's give this uh let's give it a 30. We'll give this a 30. Get Harrington's dancing in a bar out of out of a hundred. We'll give that for a score. Uh spoilers. Yes. Yep. Spoilers. So big problem number one I want to call it in this movie is they fucking kill a celestial in this fucking movie right off the bat. I mean, I know it's at the end of the movie, but I'm just saying this is our first real introduction into the celestial side of Marvel. I know they kind of brought them up in, in Guardians of the Galaxy, and I know technically Ego in the MCU calls himself a celestial and I know the Affinity Stones tie back into him or into the Celestials and stuff. But this is our first real soiree into like the tr- like getting into the deeper mythos and lore of the Celestials. And then they fucking kill one in the first fucking movie with them. Holy fuck, Marvel. What were you thinking with that? That's utter insanity to me that you have that you also introduce the fucking celestial eggs in planets in this movie what the fuck are you doing marvel that's something you retconned deep into galactus's lore way later in the comics because we always thought 
for the longest time, the Galactus just was running around eating planets. And it wasn't even that. He was going around and eating planets specifically that had celestial eggs in them. And then people realized, oh, fuck, why does he keep trying to eat Earth? Because it has one in it, too. So that type of shit, like... And you, you throw all that into this fucking movie, minus the Galactus stuff. Well, you throw all that into this movie. It's like, holy fuck. And then why, like I said, I, I, I get wary about Phase 4 with this is... You've kind of got the potentiality for several huge big bads in Phase 4? With potentially King the Conqueror, uh, the Celestials, like, that's just all over the map with some of this stuff. So I'm like, well, fuck, that's, what are you doing? But I say all that because I think the easiest way to fix this movie is you don't have the fucking Celestial part at the end. Get rid of that. Get rid of the whole they have to stop or they have to, I guess, not stop the celestial abortion. They have to, you know, not have that scene. Um, because I think the easiest way to fix this movie and to have it be different, like what Marvel was trying to do with some of these aspects, is I think you have this journey with these these characters facing a lot of these philosophical questions that are introduced in this movie. Like, those were really interesting, but they weren't really shallow with a lot of them. Like, delve into those and just have them intermittently fight some fucking deviants still. Don't kill off Selma Hayek super early in this movie. Don't have Icarus knowing for, like, 500 years the actual truth behind the Eternals and stuff. Have them just fighting deviants the whole movie. Like, randomly. Like, fight some deviants. Have one deviant getting stronger and sentient and all this stuff. You can have them find out that deviants and eternals were both created by the celestials. I think that part of it's fine. And have you have all this stuff happen. And they're finally able to beat the deviants when they all come together at the end of this movie. Having gone through these philosophical and spiritual journeys that they did throughout the whole movie. And then at the end of the movie, they beat the big bad deviant. And deviants are wiped out from Earth. Cool. Have all that. And then you can end this movie with Ajax telling Icarus the emergence is coming. And have that part of it be Eternals 2. Where they fight a cele- like the whole celestial birth thing and all this shit. You can have that be its whole other movie. You don't need to jam it into this one. Especially when you made a lot of the philosophical elements of this movie feel so cheap and weird. One of the weirdest missteps in this movie happens with my, like the actor, like I said, I love with Brian Tyree Henry. When they have this whole philosophical thing of he's having a crisis of faith and identity. Because the technology he helped introduce onto Earth led to the atom bomb and the tremendous amount of loss of life from that. And he lost faith in humanity because of it. And you're like, man, that's going to be a deep, rich story. And then literally the next scene you have is, nah, he fell in love. He has a kid now. Faith in humanity restored. 
No lasting side effects. It's okay now. What is that? That is so cheap to introduce these amazingly deep concepts into a superhero film and then literally the next scene say, fuck it. Fuck everything we just set up. We don't even care to go into it. Like, come on, you could have shown that his journey was some of that. And that's what I'm saying is if you cut out the need to have the last, I don't know, 45 minutes of it with all the celestial shit, you could have gotten into more of that. You have the Druid character talking about, you know, like whether or not he could save people and whether or not it's morally right that, yeah, he's saving these people, but he's doing it because he's completely controlling their mind. You know? This guy's like some weird cult leader. And then the next second, he's just, nah, it's all done. (laughs) No more cult shit. We're moving on. Like, what is that? That's a deep, awesome concept you could get into philosophically in a superhero movie. You don't typically get that kind of shit. And you just toss it out there and then go, nah, we're not really going to talk about it. We're just going to talk about talking about it. I mean, to me, so much of this movie was kind of like one of Jastin's biggest sayings on this podcast. This movie said a lot. It didn't show a lot, though. I mean, it said there there was conflicts. It said there was this and that. It didn't really show me a lot of it, though. That's incredibly disappointing in this movie. I think, you know, so much of this could have been handled so much better if they just didn't try to throw so much into it. Because like I said, at the end of this movie, you have the weird crisis of faith with Icarus versus the rest of the team tied in with the deviant, you know, gaining true sentience and intelligence and wanting to fight off his creator's other creations and a celestial being born and having to stop it to save all of earth all at the same time. What the fuck was that? It's a fucking mess is what it is. And then I'm not going to lie, one of my biggest fucking pet peeves with this movie was how on the nose they went with the quote-unquote Icarus dying thing. I don't think he's dead. I think he'll come back. But it's the whole, like, you know, the they say in the movie the myth of Icarus was specifically kind of adapted based around the character Icarus. And then you have him quote-unquote die by flying too close to the sun. Like, a little too on the nose, Marvel. Come on, calm it down with that bullshit. <laughs> Like, what the fuck was that? And then you had that crisis of faith with, with Sprite at the end of the movie, which was a great little thing, except it's slightly out of nowhere. They hint at it a lot, but then all of a sudden she's willing to kill for it? Somebody who she was close to, like super close to, willing to kill for it all of the sudden. Like, that was weirdly too far. And you don't get any explanation to the depth and complexities of why she was willing to do that at that point. So it just makes no sense. Like I said, they hint at it, but like I said, not really to the extent of she's willing to kill essentially a f- her family member for it. And I also didn't like, right. the, like, and the reason why I brought up the whole superhero fucking thing earlier is because of how weirdly they handle it in this movie. Like, they have the fucking scene and everything, right? And then later on in the movie, they're at the same site. And, you know, 
Icarus is obviously having a slight crisis of faith at that moment, but it, they're not really showing the full extent at which he's going to go with it. And the Cersei character like walks up behind him, just like he had done to her earlier in the story. And it's weirdly to me, like the movie went, like the her character was walking up behind Icarus and was like, "Hey, hey, Icarus, you remember when we fucked over here in the desert? We fucked right here in the desert." And then because she reminded him that they fucked like a thousand years before that in the desert, at the end of the movie when he can't kill her, it's because it flashes back to the scene where in my mind she reminded him that they fucked. So then he's like, I was going to kill you, but you reminded me we fucked in the desert. So I can't kill you anymore. Therefore, I'm going to fly the fuck into the sun. That's I know that's not literally what they were doing in the movie. That's how those scenes played out in my head, though. So it was just very weird um, for all that. But I just think if they just simplified so much, they could have just made it clear and more concise and not just a shallow shell of a quote-unquote supposed-to-be philosophical superhero movie. That's what it was to me. It was on paper you would call this a philosophical superhero movie. Not in real life, though. It's, it's, it's that in name only. Not in ex- it, like, just like you said, Justin, not in execution. They didn't execute that part of it well at all. And it incredibly like, disappointed me. You know? And uh, before I end my little section here, um, quick question, Justin. Uh, into this movie, when you see uh, Kit Harrington get the ebony blade. Now, I'm not asking you what you the if you know what the ebony blade is, but who do you think asked him if he was ready for the ebony blade at the end of the movie? The the faceless voice. Who was that to you? Um, I, I honestly don't really know who that was. I've I've heard theories like that was that was that that it was Blade, but I don't know. Well, I, I didn't recognize the voice right away. And that's fair. I'm just and this and the, that's exactly why I'm asking Heather. What about you? What did you hear when you heard, did that part? I, I'm the same. I actually don't at all know. <laughs> and that's fine. That's fair. Um, I know a lot of people thought it was Doctor Strange. Uh, I've seen a lot of people theorize that on the internet. And uh, the people two seats down from me, when the guy goes, oh, Doctor Strange, and his wife goes, mm. Um, It was Blade, by the way. It was Mahershala Ali. It was Blade. Uh, which just confuses the fuck out of me, because I don't necessarily know any reason what Blade would have to do with the Ebony Blade in any way, shape, or form. So that makes no sense to me. But it kind of also adds to my point with that is, why are you having a stinger scene that's kind of so unclear? Because like you both guys, like you both said, you don't really know who it was. And you're meant to know who it is. And they failed at that. Like, wouldn't you have been more mm-hmm. excited if you just saw Mahershala Ali say that? You know? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, 
surely they couldn't have thought that because Mahershala Ali as Blade hasn't been introduced yet. So how could we have known that was his voice? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, it sounds how like could it's, we have known that. I it to like once you like really know about it, it it's obvious it's Mahershala Ali. Um, it's just one of those things that it's it's theorized, you know. But it's like very much the director even said, no, that's that's Mahershala Ali. That is Blade. That is the character Blade saying that in that scene. But it's too ambiguous. Why would you end your movie that way? You can't get hyped for a stinger when half your fucking audience thinks it's someone else. That doesn't build hype. That builds confusion. You know? They're going to have the fucking scene because maybe that's in the Blade movie. Maybe the end of the Blade movie, after we watch the whole Blade movie, they actually have that stinger scene be the end of the Blade movie. Like, Kit Harrington's opening the thing, and Blade walks in and goes, are you ready, Mr. Whitman, or whatever the fuck his name was? You know? And you're like, oh. So, like, you know, you have all that. It's like, is that going to be the reveal of who it was for the people that were confused? Like, that's just weird to do that. Yeah. You don't get hyped by that. And that's... and. Isn't that what used to be the end sequence of a Marvel movie was? Pure fucking yeah. hype. And in this situation, it actually would make more sense for it to be Doctor Strange. Yes. Because of, you know, Multiverse of Madness coming up, and we already know who that is. So it would make more sense if it is. But, yeah, that's going to be curious to see what well, they're doing with that. And Spider-Man No Way Home, the next Marvel movie coming out. Doctor Strange right. is in it, too. It makes infinitely yeah. more sense to be Doctor Strange. But I, I get, maybe you want to hype Blade, because maybe maybe Blade's coming out sooner than we realized. You know? And they really want to hype that up. Cool, hype it up. Show Mahershala Ali then. You don't have to have him in full Blade costume. Just show his face. Something. Have him just walk into the fucking room wearing some sunglasses and say that shit. My comic yeah. book reading dick would have gotten so hard from that scene. Like, I would have been ecstatic. From, I would have been hyped from it. I don't get that hyped about Marvel shit anymore. I would have gotten hyped as fuck for that scene, though. As much as I was uninterested in this movie, I would have left that theater hyped as fuck. And I wasn't. Because it's ambiguous and confusing. So... I just don't understand the point of doing some of that stuff, you know? And that's, to me, just, like, that in-credit scene, to me, summarizes so much of this movie. Is It's a cool concept. It's a cool concept that if you know for a fact that is Blade saying that without seeing him, but you know that it's Blade, that's a cool concept. But the execution didn't come across as at all. And it fails. You know? I think introducing a Silver Fox in the mid credit sequence as Harry Styles, it's a cool concept. But now you're throwing a lot of people off because you're introducing Thanos' brother. And now you're having to explain that? Because he says he's an Eternal. Yeah. So are we actually going with the route that Thanos is an Eternal in this universe? Is that the route we're going? If so, why wasn't he like the other Eternals? 
Yeah. Because some of those things change in the comics. You know, there's some differences here and there. But it's a cool concept. Kind of just fumbling messes things around with shit. And also, I promise this is the last one I'll talk about. Why the, what, what's what's the main celestials in this name movie? Ashmere, Arshmere, whatever the fuck his name was. Ashron, yeah. So whatever the fuck that guy, big red guy. Why at the end of this movie does he come to Earth and kidnap them to go? Your memories will tell me whether or not Earth survives, which is a characteristic of him in the comics. He is the judge. His only purpose in in celestial life is to go around judging planets whether or not they deserve to be a planet anymore or not so that fits that's fine but he's like your memories will decide if earth lives or dies and then he takes them away i'm like why wouldn't you just read their memories now and decide why are you gonna go away to come back to destroy earth just stay right there in outer space and figure it out i know that's a little nitpick but that's just all i was thinking during that scene i was like well why the fuck did he leave and also, why is Kit Harrington's character going, oh man, I need to save my girlfriend who just got kidnapped by a gigantic space giant. Let me go get my sword. <laughs> I mean, side note for anybody that doesn't know, uh, what he has is the ebony blade, which is passed down through his family in uh, varying degrees in the comics. Uh, the ebony blade can cut anything. It's because it's a cursed blade, and they hint towards that in this. It's a cursed blade. It can cut through anything. So, And it slowly drives whoever has it into a bloodlust, where ultimately they just can't help themselves, and they just start killing people. Um, that is the curse of the Black Knight, which is what Kar- Kit Harrington's character is in this. But, all right, cool, it's a sword that can kill anything, but it's still a sword versus a space giant that's not even there. Like... I just want to know what he was really planning to do with a weapon that's only really effective if, what, you're four feet, like, within four feet of it? Against Space Giant that's, you know, in outer space. So I just don't understand the the logic that character's going through at that moment. So, once again, I know it's nitpicking, but the movie gave me no choice. These were the thoughts I had during watching that, so... Anyway, uh, uh, Heather, you go. Yeah, and kind of just to talk a little bit back on um, when you were talking about like Sprite and the whole thing about how she's basically in love with Icarus and would kill Cersei for it. You know what I mean? Um, that was a little out of nowhere, um, but I do... I will say something I do appreciate is that they weren't creepy about that storyline, if that makes sense. Like, they didn't try to make it like, yeah, she's only 14, but she's really centuries old, so this is okay. And I do appreciate that they didn't do that in the movie, because I think that would have been super weird. (laughs) Because she is actually, like, a 14-year-old little girl. So, I I do appreciate that they were very, like, they had a boundary on what they were going to show with that kind of storyline and that they actually even talked about like, you know, how she's like, you know, I, I can't grow up and I can't fall in love and I can't do all these things because I am forever this, you know? So I, I do, I do appreciate that they did that with it. Um, and 
Yeah, I just think a lot of the issues I have are going to be very much in line with what you just talked about, Sterling. It the the beginning of the movie is just, I mean, again, it's a mile a minute. Like they they do a just a very vague, you know, war that shows you they all fought together and things like that, and and then it just it just moves so quickly and a lot, and because of that it feels like a lot of the dialogue is just you're just saying lines and you're not like reacting to the person, which is very not in line again. Like I keep saying with like how Marvel does things like they're usually very good with, you know, acting performances, things like that. It just, because they were rushing everything. It felt like just the dialogue was very like you say a line and then you just have to say this line right after they say that line. And it just, it felt like that in a lot of scenes because of how much they were trying to get done in this movie, if that makes sense. So that's one problem that I had with it. And they, they, they kind of set it up where they have one scene at the beginning where everybody's fighting and it's there, it's centuries ago. And then they just quickly cut to present day. And then to tell a little bit more of the backstory of a character or two, they go back and they, they just go a lot of back and forth into the history of how many years they've been a family and fighting together and, you know, being the Eternals together. It, it just, it's very quick and it's very all over the place and it is not well done. It's not well executed. I'll use that word too. Um, you know, and I just, I didn't like how they did it. It was just very, it wasn't even confusing so much as just like, you really could have formatted this differently and it would have been better probably, <laughs> you know, because like I said, you feel like, or at least for me, I felt like I was coming in like 30 minutes into the movie and that's just what it felt like. And they just kept going from there. Um, so I don't know. And then just so many of these characters have no personality. Like Angelina Jolie, she's fantastic. She's a great actress. You know, she's, I mean, I've seen her do really good work and she's supposed to be like a very important piece of this team. And she's just kind of there most of the time. Like she, she doesn't have any, the, like she's good at, I guess what she's supposed to be, but that's the problem is like, she's she's kind of a not really a non-factor but like you don't really get to care as much about her character as you want to because she's kind of bland she's kind of there you know and even Gilgamesh you know Gilgamesh was pretty good for the most part but again like there's just the the limited thing that you know about him is just that he loves Dina and will die to protect her that's all you know about him, which is great, but he would have been a more interesting character if they gave it time and pretty much the same thing. And Selma Hayek, I mean, talk about a waste of Selma Hayek. <laughs> like, what is that? I do like that. My understanding, at least I haven't read the comics, is that Ajax is typically a male um, and they made Ajax a female and that's cool too. You know, again, with the diversity and switching it up and things like that. Um, I do appreciate that. I think that's cool. But again, just really a waste of Selma Hayek, a waste of that character. 
Like they didn't build her character to really feel like she's this all powerful, all wise leader. Like that's what she was supposed to be. And just even her few actions that you see her have in this movie before her character is killed off is she's just kind of, I mean, you know, she she just feels like she's almost on the same level as them, except every now and then she'll tell them, okay, you guys are free to go. Like it, it, she doesn't have that all powerful wise feeling that you think that you should get from somebody who's like the leader of the Eternals. I didn't get that vibe from her because they were trying to introduce you and show you too many other characters. So you just don't really get the full effect of any of these people and who they are supposed to be and character traits they have and anything like that. Um, I did find it odd that their whole rule was to not interfere with any wars or anything like that, unless the deviants were involved and, and maybe I, I could be wrong about it, but it just, it did feel to me a little bit like, um, Fastos, Brian Tyree Henry's character was kind of interfering because of the weapons he was creating, which, you know, I know that that's probably supposed to be like, well, to develop them as humans, you know, that's, that's needed for that. But it just, it almost felt like it was directly breaking its own rule. I don't know if I was the only one that thought that, but that was just kind of my first thought was, wait, that is kind of interfering, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. It's that's one of the narrative problems with it. It said that they couldn't interfere with anything, but clearly there are characters interfering. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. That was one of the problems I had with it. And, and you know, and that's fine. Like, I mean, <laughs> Bastos was still one of the most interesting characters in the whole thing, even with that flaw <laughs> of the storyline. But it just was like, wait a minute. Like, this is a huge plot point in this, and this is a huge part of why he is not wanting to be an Eternal anymore, or why he doesn't love the human race anymore, or whatever it is, or believe in them anymore. But at the same time, it's also a huge plot point of, this is why we don't interfere in a lot of wars. So, you know what I mean? It was just very contradicting. (laughs) Contradictory, in general. So... Just little little things like that where I feel like there were plot holes, things like that. Um, but again, really mostly it was just like they they could have told the story in just a much more interesting way because Sterling's right. This was kind of really a boring movie. Um, it was super long and I can't even pinpoint a specific section that I'm like, yeah, you don't need that part. Um, but again, I just feel like just shorten each part a little bit because it just didn't need all that. It it was just didn't need to be as long as it was. Um, You know, I just, I I don't know. I I feel like it was, it was too rushed. And I think that you guys are right about, you know, make it a two-parter, make this like, you know, you could have expanded on parts of the story a little bit more up front uh, to get more of that backstory and introduce these characters and, you know, build this origin of who they are and cut out like the last half of the movie and make that into something separate, you know, so that you have something else to look forward to with these characters. Um, but yeah, it just, 
they really just tried to jam pack every single thing that they could into this movie. And I mean, and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, if this was just a one-off standalone movie, not related to the Marvel universe. And it was just its own thing about, you know, you know, superheroes and their powers and whatever magic, all these things like, it's not going to stand out to me above literally any other superhero or any other superhero movie that there is. And that's the problem. And so, and to be fair, like, because it has the Marvel name on it is the reason I wanted to watch it for, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't super excited because again, I don't know any of these characters, but I was like, you know what? Marvel is solid. I am, I am in, I want to see what they do. And that is the reason I wanted to watch this movie. But if, if it wasn't a Marvel movie, I would be even less excited to see it. (laughs) Like I would have just been like, Oh, it's another superhero movie. Okay. I guess we'll see if they do anything different, (laughs) but because it was Marvel, that's why I was more in not because it was these specific characters or this specific storyline. It was just because I was like, they're usually so good about how they do their storylines and their thoughtfulness in the story and the characters that maybe it'll be good. And then it just completely was a letdown in that way. Um, in all those ways, actually. So yeah. And I just think that, um, like the the kind of misdirect of Icarus being a villain, it, I was fine with it, and, and I will say, like, I wasn't specifically thinking that was the direction the movie was going to go in. You could tell there was something a little bit off about it, and obviously he was hiding something, and something was going to happen there. I didn't think he was going to be the one that killed Dina or any of that. Um, but I will say that I'm glad that they made a villain in the movie that was more than just these, yeah, just these, um, deviants, because that's another thing that this universe does is they do have a way of creating very fascinating villains, at least in the latter portion of Marvel's movies. Um, you know, so I was glad about that, but again, underutilized and just not executed properly for it to matter in the long run. So, and, and just really the biggest sin of all of them is just the waste of potential of story elements and the waste of potential of these characters and the performances that we could have gotten from these, again, Oscar and Emmy winning actors in this movie that we could have had so much more from this to where we would have cared way more about what was going on if they had given this time and properly tried to be more patient with how they wanted to tell you this story. So, and I don't know, I don't know why they did it that way. I'm not sure why they just completely took a whole different route with how they did this movie. But yeah, I mean, for me, those were my biggest issues with what happened. I mean, and I did appreciate, um, Kind of like what Sterling was talking about, too, with the whole crisis of faith thing. Like, not only was Brian Tyree Henry's character doing that, but Druig was doing that. And even um, Kingo, who Camille Nanjiani played, is they're all kind of having that moment, right? And 
I do think that that was probably the most profound port part of like what this movie did. It just, but it's almost like everything that they did, they, they kind of reached this point of like, Oh, we're about to do something really cool with this, but it's real base level. So we're going to not do it all <laughs> like, Oh, we're almost to this really cool thing happening. And then we've moved on because we have so many things we want to do in this movie. And that was the biggest problem with it. So, um, yeah, it, it's just really unfortunate. Like, you know, just slow it down or split it up or something. There's got, there's got to be a better way that they could have just executed the movie as a whole. All right, Justin, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I think that what everybody has said thus far is, is pretty on point. Like it just really sucks for me because like, I feel like this had all the ingredients to be like a masterpiece. Like you could see where all the potential was and it had all of these things. And if it had come together the right way, sorry, this should have been a masterpiece. Like you had all of these great, actors and actresses and you had like the most diverse cast i think i've ever seen in a superhero movie it was a lot different from other superhero movies as far as being kind of this more like thought-provoking philosophical movie um there are all these concepts and questions that it asks and things that it raised about like how you may be you may think that you're created for this one thing But the importance of being able to make a choice, the importance of, well, just because you came from this, that doesn't have to determine what you become or what you are, different things like that. The moral dilemmas about like creationism, like what you guys talked about, Um, even even like the one of the things that hasn't been mentioned yet that I really appreciated was even like the moral dilemma of interfering in things like when they were having the discussion about well if we do stop this celestial from being born and we save the world what about these other planets and these other celestials and these other places that will not be created because we stop this so do we have a right to stop something from taking its natural course, you know, if it affects our moral ground, do we still have the right to affect it? Because this is what it will mean. Like, there was a lot of great stuff in here, you know, and if it had all come together the right way, if it had all been developed the right way, it really should have been like a masterpiece movie, you know, and if you could have connected all of those threads and all of these conflicts. And that's why I say, I just don't understand why they made the decision to let's cram all of this into one movie. I mean, you have Disney plus you have the ability to make episodic television, why didn't you do that with this story? Why? Why did you do this? Why, why did you 
why didn't you come out with a little mini series and do like a little six part mini series let us meet these characters let us see how they've been spending their time let us see the oh, the, the the initial battle when they arrive to earth and they're fighting these deviants and stuff like that which the deviants are just also the design of the deviants they're hella uninteresting like they're just the most bland like regular ass looking monster things <laughs> that i think i've seen in a movie justin okay i'm glad you brought that up because that's something i forgot to bring up all right so <laughs> the main bad deviant the boss deviant we he was easy to recognize the one with the wings was able to he was easy to recognize because he's the only one flying around and then the other four were just alien cat things Alien cat wolves. Like, yeah. I'm talking about just the main ones in the, the current time. Like, the previous ones were slightly diverse because it was a cat wolf or a gigantic alien minotaur, I guess. But, like, no, you're absolutely right, Justin. I was just like, we're, ba- we're back on those generic-ass villains, aren't we now, Marvel? Just... Need some monster things, don't we? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why you needed something like an Icarus heel turn and all of that kind of stuff. I don't mind that narrative having this. But man, if this was a little miniseries instead of a movie, you could have really expertly connected all of these little plot lines and all these little things. Like I was kind of saying before I went into the, um, <laughs> the, uh, um, deviant rant about it, the, the, the character design of them. But like in a series, you could have showed them coming to earth. You could have showed them having battle with the deviants. We could have split off and we could have saw how each of these people were living their lives. You know, we, we, we could have seen like with the Angelina Jolie character, in a, a miniseries, Athena, whenever she's having these visions, which they called mad cow disease. I don't know what they called mad it. Mad weary? They called it. Mind weary or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Was that not also the mad fucking weary. dumbest thing you've ever heard? Oh, it's the mind weary. It's the fucking what? Like, they <laughs> yeah, just said that so weary. matter of fact. They were like, you know, she's got yeah. a cold. You know, the mind weary. You're like, yeah, oh, Yeah, she's got the okay. mind weary. And... And they're acting like we know what that is. But I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the mind weary. And the cool thing about this is, though, is that, okay, I get it. So, and it's kind of cool when you think about the narrative that, okay, they are these created beings that are doing this. And their memories are wiped and everything like that. But she kind of was the glitch in the program and where she was still retaining somehow and remembering some of these things that had happened before. So in a miniseries, we could have seen some of these visions that she was having. You could have had all these different scenes of them in this place and something is happening and the world is being destroyed and they're standing there. And like, you could have done a lot of cool things. You could have done a lot of cool scenes, done a lot of cool shots in a miniseries where you're seeing the end of the world. And it could have been this cool even thing where like we're thinking that she's seeing something that is going to happen. 
and she's saying, oh, this is a warning, blah, blah, blah. And we could think that she's seeing visions from the future. And it would have been cool, like, if towards the end of the series, it was revealed that, no, that stuff has already happened. She's not seeing something that's going to happen. She's been seeing something that has already happened. And then it would could it could have, like really tied into the story of that character or why she's so tortured. You know, there could have been scenes with her and Gilgamesh during this kind of break period that they had where they were kind of waiting on Ashram and they all just kind of had to live on Earth for thousands of years. There could have been scenes with them where she goes off on one of these mad, weary, like, um, trances or whatever, and him having to deal with that and him... You know, the hardship of him trying to take care of somebody that he loves, even though she has this ailment like there was some very like very like chivalrous, like loving type of stuff. But we couldn't dive into that because there was too much to do in this movie. And that's what sucks about it. Like you could see all the potential for all these different things. And I feel like in a miniseries, you could have developed all of these things. Um, the, the Sprite character and her, um, dealing with not being able to grow up and the, the hardships that that would cause and, and being and unable to age and the problems that that would bring and different things like that. It would have been nice to have had an episode or at least half of an episode where I could have seen what that journey was like, seen it, not being told it. Which, you know, Sterling, you talked about earlier, a lot of saying things, a lot of expositing things. But when you're unable to see things, you can't connect. You, 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 it's harder to connect with the character when they're telling you things. And yeah, that has some emotional weight. Like, oh man, you know, you, uh, yes, it would be tough to grow up in a world where you can't, you know, to, to grow up well, to not grow up, I guess. In a world where you can't age and things like that, and years are passing by, and you have these people that you like or want to get close to, but you can't because you know they're going to die, and you and you're just going to be young forever. That would have been great to tackle in a miniseries, like, and it would have been so cool to have seen that fleshed out, like all of these characters. That's how this felt. Like, it would have been cool to have had a Bollywood episode with Kingo and see him and his, uh, and his, uh, director pal, Kyron, or, and, and that actor, Harish Patel, he was one of the MVPs. I really liked him. I liked him following yeah. Kingo around and they were funny together and they had such a great chemistry and, when the movie needed to liven up a little bit, man, the Kingo character, he brought, he breathed some life into this movie because this is interestingly one of the movies where I feel like the first act was really weak, like you were saying, mm-hmm. Heather. And then, um, things, I think it did get better once those two characters were in it. You know, but I'm just trying to imagine this being a miniseries and that would have been cool to have had an episode where we get to see a Bollywood movie being made and we're following them around and they're arguing with each other and something is learned along the journey or whatever the case may be like that would have been cool. Another thing that would have been cool in a miniseries is that you could have seen what these characters were doing during the blip. 
you could have showed half of the world disappearing and these characters at odds with what to do while this is happening were they and also that were they immune from the blip did some of them blip exactly Mm. were they just standing there and then on top of that the the blip and i was headed this direction i might as well go ahead and say it the blip and all this stuff about not interfering with thanos there's also kind of a big contradiction with that too because the whole purpose of of ashram the celestial the whole purpose of this exercise was that he was saying i don't want to you to interfere with any human affairs we need the humans to do things and have wars and do all this stuff because while because if the humans exist and they're doing all these things they are creating energy for this celestial to be born inside the planet right like that was the basic concept right the, you you and the reason why the eternals were there to stop the deviants is because the deviants were eating the humans well you can't get the energy that you need for the celestial if the humans are um eaten or gone or perished or in thanos's case if he takes away half of them doesn't that stop the um the celestial growth energy process well yeah it so, does I it mean, says it even says in the movie that the the experian or whatever the fuck it's called was delayed from the blip because of the blip you know the blip delayed the celestial birth you know it's like humanity was on yeah. the cusp of it and was delayed but then you got to look at the more far-reaching implications of that that would happen to every celestial egg in the universe because yeah. he took away half the life in the universe. So exactly. every single so, planet that was close to having an exfoliation process would have been halted, which is bad for celestials. Ex- exactly. Which is why it makes no damn sense that they wouldn't have been trying to stop Thanos. <laughs> Exactly. Which just completely mm, blows yeah. this movie apart. So even in trying to explain that, they kind of wrote themselves into a hole. And I'm surprised nobody freaking saw that. But hell, you got so many damn characters. How could you see it? Well, like, that's how the thing. could you see anything going on narratively in this? Yeah, every writer and producer and everything with this movie had the same problems we did. There's too much going on for them to keep track of their own shit. Exactly. So you come up with this plot point and you go, well, that's why they, they were sent to Earth to stop the devious because we, we need the, the, the humans alive. Well, Thanos was taking half of them. So I don't know. You, you don't think that Ashram would have foamed in to Selma Hayek's character, uh, Ajax at that time and been like, hey, stop that dude. If he takes away half the humans, man, I can't, I, we can't do our celestial birth. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Especially, that just makes sense to me. Why were like, they pulling Eternals from all across the universe to stop Thanos? Exactly. It, like I said, it so, fucks up the entire universal process of this, of the yeah. Dos Equis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that is like, to so narratively, this just falls into a damn hole. And maybe there was a better <laughs> way you could have explained it. 
you know, in a miniseries, you could have had some of them during the blip wanting to stop it, trying to stop it. And maybe there was some underlying reason for why they couldn't. Maybe there was some grand master plan or way to put this together to where, or they could have tried to stop it, but Ashram needed to do, to do something else. You know, if you had a mini series and you could have thought about this a little more and developed the story a little bit more, you probably come up with a better idea. I've got one, Justin. <laughs> but in this, Okay, go ahead. Simple explanation in universe. Celestials created the Infinity Stones, so Eternal's powers are useless against a wielder of an Infinity Stone. Bam, solved it. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that definitely works. I'm not saying yeah, that's comic so that accurate, been. but I'm just saying it's something they could have thrown in, just throw that sentence in. Bam, fixed it. Yeah. And what would have been cool is, like I said, though, it would have been so cool to see these characters reacting during the blip. It would have been so cool to see some of their reactions. Like, it would have been great for that Druid character because he was one of the ones that was definitely conflicted about taking actions and things like that. I would have loved to have seen that character go through the anguish of seeing all these people disappear and wishing he could do something about it. You know, like this just man, there was so much potential for this to be excellent. This should have been the best thing they ever done. And even if they decided to do like a six part miniseries and then this movie been like, the movie that brings it all together. Like you learn about all the characters, you learn about all this stuff. And then we, and then we're going to the theater to watch this movie to see how all this whole story comes together. That's what the movie should have been. The movie should have been after a miniseries to set all of this up. And the movie could have been your payoff. That's what they should have done. You know what I'm saying? Wide open. Yep. Well, and you what, know what I'm saying? But they didn't, man. Well, what about this, and Justin? Why didn't they? Do a 10-part, or how, however fucking many Eternals there are, I don't remember, but like, however many there are, do that many episodes plus one. Mm. So you have the first episode be them coming to Earth and that whole shit. Have them fighting some, uh, you know, some deviants and shit. And go all the way up until they split up at that one scene in the first episode. Just kind of tell the history of them to that point. Okay. Then each episode is a different character. And you go from when they split off. And then just their story throughout humanity. Then going to the blip. And then ending with their experiences through the blip. Because like you could have had Brian Tyree's character lose his husband in the blip. And then... Try to make a machine oh, or something man. to counteract it. And he's just focusing yeah. nonstop on cr- trying to create a machine to fix oh, to man. get him back and shit like that. You could have Druid trying to figure That's out what tight. he can do to help the world move past this. Because he's like, can I? I couldn't control everybody on Earth, but maybe I can control half of Earth. And he's going through that moral dilemma of whether or not he can do anything with the blip and all this other stuff. You have somebody like Icarus who is just all powerful and now feeling helpless as he's just traveling the world alone because he knows the secret. If you go with the narrative they had in the story, because he knows the secret, he knows what stopped because of this, you know, and, but feeling like maybe they should have interfered because 
that stopped the goal in which that they're there to do. You know, Cersei loves humanity, you know. So, you know, you have her just feeling for humanity as a whole because half of them just disappeared. You know, you have uh, Gilgamesh and, and, and Thena. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if Gilgamesh disappeared during the blip? So then you have Thena trying oh, to tackle yeah. the Mad Wearies by herself? Oh, and those types of things? That, yeah. Like yeah. all those interesting stories that could have been told if we went down the route you're talking about, Justin. Yep. I would have loved all of I that. Know. I'm Because I'm not against the idea of the philosophically heavy superhero film of them being gods and it's whether or not yeah. you should be a god in this scenario that they kind of pose in this movie. I'm not against that because I think it's an incredibly interesting and deep, complex storyline. They just told us that that's what we should have and then never delivered. Mm. And that's what yeah. hurts about this movie is I 100% agree with you. This had potential out the fucking ass. Just tons yeah, of dude. it. And they didn't tons give us any of it, of it, bro. Like if, like I, I said, know, man. you could have gone the deeply philosophical route and just pitter pattered some fucking deviant fights in there just because it's still a superhero movie. Got to have some action beats in it. Pitter patter those throughout the fucking movie, but have it just be the philosophical journey of whether or not to accept the fucking what their role is or what or to not. You know what I mean? There's so many fucking better ways to go about this. That they just yeah, didn't achieve. And that would have tied in and it would have tied in like so much better because then we would have understood by the time we got to this movie um that that ties all this together after the miniseries or whatever, or if we decide to do it that way. Or if we just do, like you said, 10 episodes and we just do it that way. But either way, then the blip and that happening affected all these characters in a way. Because they had to sit there and watch that epic event and then question their existence and who they are and what they're doing. And so that would have that would have been a great way to tie it into what has happened to in the MCU at this point without it feeling forced. Because this feels forced. I mean, you couldn't even remember that that Thanos wiped out half the population and that would hurt the celestial birth in this. Like, you couldn't even remember that and come up with a plot better than that for these people. You know what I mean? Like, you, like it, so this feels forced. It feels like, it feels so after the fact, like they really didn't have this, and then they decided, oh, let's do this. That's what this feels like because of how it was just hammed into the story. But if we had done what we talked about here, imagine how well that would have tied into everything. And then we could have seen yeah. how this blip affected these godlike characters. And that would have been refreshing. That would have been something different. We would have seen it from a, a, a godly kind of bystander perspective, you know? And that would have been so cool. But also, think about this. A way more interesting way to cause a crisis of faith in this movie. If you want to keep the storyline relatively close to what it was. In that scene, when Icarus and Ajax are talking, when she they're talking about the fact that he's known for a hundred like hundreds of years, and that the you know whatever the fuck it is is coming and all this shit. Why wouldn't Icarus go? Hey, why didn't we like? Why didn't Aseroth or whatever the fuck his name was have us fight Thanos? Because it hurt the 
you know, the birth and all this shit. Like, why did he do that? And then have Ajax say, I don't know. Like, he didn't, you know, that was just, that's not our mission, whatever. And it could be just the fact that the, the, the Celestial was caught off guard by Thanos. He didn't realize that Thanos was going to succeed and wipe out half the fucking population of the universe. And it would have caused a crisis of faith because your God is now no longer an omnipotent God. You know, like you would, you could have a crisis of faith based on that. You know, there's so many better ways to have that crisis of faith in that instance and all this other stuff. Cause you could have had him being confused by that situation and stuff like that, but then be so devoted to it. Like Ajax could have still come out with the thing of, well, because of that, because we now know that these celestials don't really control the universe and don't really know everything. Maybe they're wrong about having fucking planets destroyed by birthing celestials out of them. And Ajax being like, you know, it doesn't matter what they know or don't know. It's our job to do their bidding and have that type of crisis of faith with it. You know, Hmm. just something simple, a little more deep than, no, we're going to do it. I'm going to kill you. Like, like, like that was dumb. You know, you could have just added a little bit of more depth and complexity to it to help further the, why they didn't fuck with Thanos. Because like you said, they gave the dumbest explanation ever, which is just, we were told not to give us a reason why though, other than, because I told you so. Like, add some complexity to it. Like I said, you can add that their powers were negated by the Infinity Stones, so they would have been useless against Thanos. Like, they would have literally just been people fighting Thanos. Like, if I went and th- fought Thanos, I'm not going to lie, I'd be useless fighting Thanos. So, you know, you add that to it. Give us, a, like, a real in-world explanation why that makes sense because you could have they could have wrote themselves out of the fucking hole they put themselves in but they just put themselves in a hole that in that makes no sense because they gave an explanation like because they forced themselves into an explanation of why they didn't do something they forced their own hand in it you know because it almost would have been smarter to almost not even address it would have been smarter than the way they yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. If they had just ignored it completely, you know, cause that you could have, it, that would have just been better than what they did. Yeah, you're right. They, they, it almost would have just been better to have not addressed it. You know, you're you're right. Even if they would not have mentioned anything, at least we wouldn't have anything to say. Well, it's a huge contradiction. <laughs> at the very least, you wouldn't have that. So yeah, I, I I totally get that, man. And like the last thing I'll say is just all these big events that was that were kept happening, and they just had no emotional resonance. Like for instance. You kill Ajax so early in this movie. I don't know who she is yet. I can't care about her death like that early in the movie. Why wasn't that something that happened later? 
you know why can't she have been captured yeah they tried to rectify it with like the flashbacks but it just didn't work yeah and it just didn't work because that's just because it's hard to retroactively care about a character that you know is dead yeah like so other characters seeing her standing there or other characters like using like the illusionist using her or sprite using her like it just like they tried to sprinkle her in in the rest of the movie but it just like she died way too fast you know she should have just been why couldn't she have just been captured or disappeared or they're like we're looking for her we thought that maybe the 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 copy deviant had her uh, and really it, it was him and he was holding her you know and something i don't know it just you just needed something other than that and if she and maybe if she if we had gotten to go on the journey with her a little bit and then she dies at the end maybe that would have meant something she died kind of helping this us complete this mission maybe that would have meant something at the end but you know we didn't have that yeah. or just or just like with the sprite character like okay you stab cersei in the back then minutes later we're sitting here and cersei's like i still have some magic left i can make you a human if you want to if you want to be a human that badly and she's like oh i can you know i i can be a real person that's awesome and i'm like uh she tried to kill you just a second ago you know there was no right. time <laughs> there was no time to get over that and, and I, I get that aspect of it but you could argue that just cersei is you know cares so much about her family that she's willing to forgive that that's not a character trait that i think is crazy for that character i think the better solution would have been i don't know make her look like an adult and not just make her a fucking human just make her look like an adult if you can take away her god powers, why can't you just make her look 15 years older? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could just do that. But golly, man, like, at least have a heart-to-heart or something. I mean, you just stabbed this woman fatally. Well, yeah, I mean, that's why you fuck with her and go, <laughs> all right, I'll make you look older. And then you make her like 60 and you go, ha-ha, gotcha. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get. Yeah gotcha dog but you know it was just stuff like that man like there were just these quick there were just these things happening and these characters making these kind of flip-flop decisions and things like that that i just you know like i could tell the movie wanted me to care but i was like um you you haven't done enough yet to make me care about this you're trying you know, you you want me to care about this. Or like the Angelina Jolie character. She's got the mad weary. Oh, man. And then not really letting us really see what that is or really explain that well enough. And then she would just be in and out of the movie. Like, characters would disappear. Who disappeared during the third act? Was it, uh... Kingo. Yeah. Yeah. He just disappeared. He just, yeah, he just fucks <laughs> off the entire third act. Just gone. <laughs> yeah. and then just comes back at the end and he's like how'd it go guys and like yeah you know <laughs> i mean I get like, why because he was saying you know i'm not gonna fight you guys or whatever i get why but it was just like oh okay well and it's funny though but sucks. him fucking off for the third act is probably the most normal fucking thing i think i felt in this movie because <laughs> his whole logic of i agree that we should let the celestial be born 
But at the same time, I cannot fight you because we're all family, you know? So I'm just going to excuse myself because it's an impossible situation. I'm like, oh, that's actually very fucking reasonable. You know, he's like, I agree with Icarus, but the idea of killing you, I could never do, you know? So he just leaves. And I get that. Yeah. And I liked at the end, whenever, you know, him and Cersei are talking because they're packing up Sprite to go to school because they weirdly made her a human. And he's like, you know, she's like, I don't even know if we did the right thing or whatever. But he's like, but you did what's in your heart. And I'm like, well, that's probably the most emotionally responsible person in this entire fucking movie based on the decisions he made. And like, and those weird things. And it's, it's weird that he's the one that had that character art because he fucked off the entire third act. He's gone for a third of the movie. You're like, whoa, that's a weird choice. Yep. And like, also, yeah, what you were talking about with his valet and stuff like that. And like what I've mentioned earlier with Kit Harrington. Why are my favorite aspects of this Marvel superhero movie the normal humans? Yeah. Not the fucking heroes. Now, I know that's debatable with Kit Harrington's character because, like I said, he is the Black Knight. He is technically a superhero or villain, depending on the story arc. He is like one of those characters, but not in this movie. And I'm like, why are are those my favorite things in this movie? Are the normal ass humans and just none of your god characters? None of them. I just did not care about any of the fucking Eternals. But I gave a fuck. Yeah, his like, valet was that great. scene whenever Camille Nanjani's character leaves and his valet sits there and he talks about how grateful he is for them, you know, mm. that they're willing to do this and they're willing to fight it and all this stuff. Yeah. And he's just eternally grateful for those, t- like, that they're there and that they're willing to do that and all this other stuff. I'm like, yeah. That's great because it makes sense that a human character is saying that. But I'm like, why is that more emotionally resonant than any of the fucking dynamics you're g- giving us? <laughs> with these fucking characters right it was though it was very much like oh i felt that man you that was the only truly emotional line in this fucking movie yeah Yeah. i did too and that's because that actor harris patel was acting his ass off man he just he he killed it man like he absolutely just killed it man he really did, man. I laughed at him. I really liked him. I really, lo- like I said, the movie really stepped up a notch when those two were on screen. Him and Kamel. When yeah. they got on screen, man, it, it just, it, it really did change the dynamic of the movie. Right. And they robbed me of a miniseries episode where it could have just been those two. And I'm mad that I've robbed of that. Like, I want to see their journey. I want to see their journey of like what they said the last 50 years or whatever. I want to see that. I want to see Camille Nantan's character save his life. And then him constantly being trying to work it off. Because I'm not going to lie. That was one of the funniest lines in the movie when he's like, you've almost worked off. Not yet, though. Not yet. (laughs) Almost. That was funny. I think. And the thing about the thing about that scene, too, though, was. You could tell just like that mutual respect of all this, the Eternals had for, for that character, you know, cause he's like being so sincere and genuine and speaking from his heart. And then like, it was almost like making the Eternals be like, oh, this is why we do it. <laughs> you know, it really was that only scene where you feel like they're actually trying to like get across some kind of profound thing, you know, about like 
this is why humanity is worth saving, like this guy right here. You know what I mean? And I just, I feel like you could see at least in that scene, like the respect that they had for him as like a human, you know what I mean? And what they, and what he did to help them. So I, I agree. I think that was probably one of the better scenes of the movie. No, it was. I, I completely yeah. agree with that. Can I mention the, the scene I hated the absolute most in this entire movie? Which was mm, probably not when when they go when they go to the the domo or whatever the fuck that ship's called, and it's like you know to raise it out of the ground and shit. What the fuck was with that scene of them all walking up to it wearing fucking Ray Bans? God, that just annoyed the fuck out of me. <laughs> that was so weird. And like Druid goes from I'm a cult leader to wearing a leather jacket, James Dean looking motherfucker. What the fuck just was that right. scene? I know they're all supposed to look like cool kids with their sunglasses and shit. They just look so fucking dumb. It looked like a fucking magazine ad for fucking sunglasses. Like if you just took a snapshot of that scene, <laughs> it'd be like, buy the new Ray Bans. Fuck off. God, I hated that scene. <laughs> yeah, it was very cheesy. But not cheesy in the fun way. That's the thing is it wasn't fun. It just looked dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Also, why did she just turn the celestial into ice? That's what it was, right? It was ice, or was it stone? Yeah, uh, marble or something, yeah. right? It was like, why would she just turn it to water? I mean, maybe that's too much water for the entire planet. I don't know. Turn it into butterflies or something. Why did you just make it a fucking thing? So now people are going to be like, wait, it was a giant coming out of our planet. <laughs> Yeah, like it would seem like that would still have some repercussions, and it's just nothing. It's not happened. Everything's like this okay can, now. This planet is fresh off half of its population disappearing and coming back. You can't have a giant coming out of the planet just there for everybody to see. <laughs> you just can't. You're going to kill people. People are having heart attacks all over the world because they're like, it's happening again. <laughs> right. That alone should have killed enough people to serve, like to stave off the fucking thing. <laughs> oh man, I just don't understand this movie. Oh, and last thing, this is the last thing. Um, I guess it's more of a joke, but um, than anything. But wasn't it also kind of weird seeing Rob Stark and Jon Snow say "I love you, Cersei"? You're was right. The only thing that you was are not wrong. You are not wrong. Weird. Was I the only one that was weird? Like just like, and so I'm not true. gonna lie, man. Like whenever uh, Richard Madden first came on, I was so tempted to start a King of the North chant, but I just didn't think anybody would get it. Like I was like, man, <laughs> you know what? We're too far removed from Game of Thrones, man. I don't think anybody will care. Nobody. And I don't know. It's two King of the Norths. Two King of the Norths both yeah. said, I love you, Cersei. I know, dude. It was so weird hearing Jon Snow That's say, so I love funny. you, Cersei. <laughs> That's very true. But I, I think the oh, reason why I love the Kit Harrington character so much is I think it's one of the first times we've truly gotten the human, like, the casual human idea of what it's like for superheroes just to exist in the world. 
like, you know, him being like, right. are you a wizard? And all that type of stuff. Like, he's noticed some weird <laughs> yeah. shit going on. But they would accept some of that in this world because they all-knowingly know superheroes exist and all that shit. So I like the fact yeah. that we finally got that casual human it's like kind of point of view with some of that stuff. So I think the first time we've truly gotten that aspect of it, and that was interesting. Yeah. That's true. And, and I also like that Sprite had told him some stuff. Like, she thought that she was keeping this big secret, but he had obviously had some suspicions and it had some discussions with Sprite because whenever they were first running from that deviant, something was said. He said something. And then she, um, and then Cersei looked over at Sprite and went, you told them that? And then they, they kind of had like a laugh about it. So obviously he had been talking Oh, yeah, about, I thought you killed all of them or whatever. Yeah, it's, I thought you killed all these, like, 500 years ago. Yeah, I thought you killed all these, like, 500 years ago. So, clearly, they had been having some conversations. And see, again, why the hell wasn't this a damn miniseries? Because then we could have seen some Kit Harrington, Jimma Chan, lovey-dovey stuff, and him trying to talk to... Uh, Sprite and then Sprite not wanting to tell him and then finally does telling him a little bit of something and he learns and he still is trying to accept her and the whole man I know but I can't tell her and then her being like man I don't know if I can tell him but really he already knows all that you had all that stuff we could have had in some episodes and we didn't have and and more development for Sprite in the sense of the reason she's pushing so much for her to be with him is because she's in love with Icarus Exactly. Yeah. No, and you could have had some of that too. And and also, doesn't the fact that her name is Sprite kind of just acknowledge she's a superhero of some sort? Like, because <laughs> who the fuck is just out there in the world being named Sprite? Just saying. Right. It true. sounds like a superhero yeah, code name. It right. does. Like, and then yeah. yeah, you've got like Cersei, and then just Dane. <laughs> like you could just tell who is a superhero, not just by their name. Just so much of this movie is wasted potential. By the way, Justin, further confirmation, the uh the deaf actress was Miss Deaf USA. So yes, she's actually deaf. Okay. Okay. Cool, cool. And she was good too. You know, I just wish there was more of her. I liked her too. Yeah, I really we barely, did. She was I, in I, what the first act and the final act. That's it. She's gone the entire yeah. second act of the movie. Like, it's like they traded yeah, places yeah. with Camille, Nanjani, and her. They couldn't have both of them right. on the screen at the same time. So, like, they're both kind of in the first act. But then when it's Camille, Nanjani heavy, they get rid of her. And then when he leaves, she's in the movie a lot more. Come on. Although I did enjoy when she was fighting Icarus. I thought that was really cool. Like, she was destroying him for a little bit there. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was the best fight of the movie. The 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 Justice League versus Superman. That Which is kind of <laughs> what that was. But, uh, yeah, that was, th- th- that was the best, probably, action sequence of the movie. In a film that didn't really seem very interested in action. Yep. <laughs> 
whatsoever. It wasn't, you know, which is which is a different from Marvel. You know, this was different in a lot of ways. It just, I mean, why did they why did they choose to tell this story this way? Well, that is the biggest question of this movie. And as much as they were disinterested in action, they also relied on it too much in a weird way. Like they needed that to kind of break up story beats. So they wanted to have the action, but they were disinterested in having it. So it gives that weird conflict that I think is very reminiscent of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3. Of He didn't want Venom in the movie, but the studio made him. So he's disinterested in having Venom, therefore forcing it into the movie made it feel weird. And it kind of did the same thing in this movie. You know, you didn't want a lot of action because you wanted to tell a different type of story. But you forced it in, and then you got weird with it. Like I said, having the fucking de- the the head deviant, fucking Icarus and a celestial all at the end of the movie, like that's just insanity. Yeah, and even that head deviant, like it really sucks that they chose to do the movie this way because even that head deviant. That was kind of interesting, too. Whenever he gained consciousness and realized that we are just two pawns in this sort of divine plan, he said all of that, and then you were thinking, okay, is there going to be some sort of payoff to that? Is he going to change what he's doing? Is he going to try to team up with them? Is he going to devise his own plot to try to maybe see if he can somehow, you know, uh, get to the you know, ashram and talk to him himself, something. And then that was just nothing. He just showed up at the beach and was like, I'm a villain now. Somebody kill me. And that was it. Like, how come they didn't do anything with that? Why didn't he team like, up with them to fight the celestial? Exactly. That, does that Why not just he team up make with them? so much sense? He hates the celestials too. Why would he want their plan to succeed? Exactly. Why would he want their plan? So like in an episode, you could have even had the deviants and we could have developed them more and we could have showed him doing all these things and like and and that and, and he was an interesting character too because in a way he was like creating more of them and stuff. So maybe even he could have developed almost a god complex himself. Like I'm look at me, I've, I can absorb and I can take all these abilities and I can do all of this stuff, you know, like something should have happened with that. Even if, like you said, Sterling, you leave the big celestial abortion out of the movie and maybe the final villain is just him, but he's all super powered and he has all almost all of their abilities and stuff like that. And he's like, coming at them and you know and and he has decided that he wants to be the god you know maybe i can be the so i don't know like they should have done something with that character and maybe in a in a series you could have had him coming to grips with this or deciding to do you know you he could have almost been like the isaac of this to make a castlevania reference i know you don't know what that is heather but you know, you could have had a character kind of like that, who's now contemplating his existence and what he's here to do. You know, I'm here and I'm supposed to just be killed by the Eternals. But but is that really all we're for? Is that really all I'm meant to do? 
that character should have had that moment, you know? Well, then, but, and then you also run into the whole idea of, like, why is so much of this movie wrapped up in you're more than what you're just supposed to be? But then the part of the final end, which was them solidifying that you don't have to be what you're supposed to be. You can, you know, be who you are and all this other stuff. Why is part of that ending also still nah, but if you're really supposed to fight the deviants, you still do that still. Even though, you know, the same people that told you you're supposed to fight the deviants are telling you to not kill the celestial being born. Like, Mm -hmm. why did they default to that still? It's that makes no sense. Like, yeah, it's, it's just a weird message of we don't have to listen to the celestials. We can stop the emergence, but you know, kill that deviant still because you know the celestials said kill the deviants. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, that made no sense. Like, I just I think the, the I, I think that they should have left the, some of the celestial stuff for another movie if they're going to go that route and just lean more into them fighting the deviants with the just have the deviants be the bad guy in this movie as generic as they are that's still way infinitely more cohesive than three ish villains at the end of the movie yeah 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 Anyway, you guys got any more thoughts about this movie? Nah. Nah. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Summer Slayers Podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or Facebook, where we're Cinema Slayers Podcast, or Twitter and Instagram, where we're Cinema Slayers Pod, or Cinema underscore Slayers, sorry. And then TikTok, where we're Cinema Slayers Pod. Uh, I've been doing those. I did miss one day when it comes to doing some of these TikTok things, because I did have a cat have surgery last week and dealing with her recovery and all this other stuff, it finally caught up to me for one day. I couldn't really watch a movie. So I will end up doing a double movie, like two of them probably this weekend or something like that to make up for it. So I still hit the same total movies in the end. It's just, that was a lot for one week. So like I said, I did miss that, but um, I am back on track with those. So Check those out, and like I was saying about that, one person liked my TikTok. Make no mistake, my issue wasn't with the diversity in this movie. So, I know that's why you liked my TikTok. But that's not really my issue with this movie. So don't get that twisted, Mr. True Republican Zero. Uh, shout out to Plug Me, Go and Mundo Show for our theme songs, and or our lo- or yeah, theme song and logo respectively. Uh, give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your family's friends, tell your friends' families, especially tell those dear sweet moms because, you know, they just probably felt the same exact way we did about this movie, you know, especially about the Celestials. I know mothers tend to not like Celestials, so they probably definitely agree they should have changed part of the movie uh, with that stuff. And uh, as I was in the podcast and as I was in the TikToks, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the Best Picture winner.
Game of Thrones song. Game of Game of Thrones song. 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 Holy shit. See, now the more I think about it, though, Justin, I agree. This should have been a miniseries because the only things Marvel I'm excited about are their TV shows right now. I I, I yeah. could take it or leave it with fucking Spider-Man, Home something, whatever, Homecoming Pigeon or whatever the fuck it is. Even Doctor Strange, I'm kind of lukewarm on that idea. Like, a lot of these things coming out in the movie theaters, I'm not as excited about. But, like, I'm super excited about fucking Hawkeye. Like, that's what's weird. Yeah. I am stoked about this Hawkeye series coming up. Not Spider-Man. So, like, the idea of this yeah. being a TV show, I'm not gonna lie, I'd probably be amped for this to be a TV show. Because I'm digging the fuck out of what Marvel's yeah. doing television-wise. And just, the yeah. movies just kind of seem like they're standard fare to me. I mean, I'm not trying to say that Spider-Man won't be good or anything like that. It just seems standard fare. And as I've been saying since Avengers Endgame, I'm not excited by standard fare anymore. But the, the the TV shows feel fresh. They feel different. Yep. So this is a TV show just sounds fucking amazing now. As much as I did not like this yeah. movie, the idea of this as a miniseries, fucking stoked. Oh, I would have loved that. Yeah. It's just baffling that this was what they decided to do with this. Baffling. Yep. And it's so complex. And I and I should have said this earlier in the episode. When you brought up Guardians of the Galaxy, like it's half the characters, just like you said, it's half the characters. And also one of them's a tree thing that just says I am Groot. How deep do you have to go into its story? None at all. Yeah. And plus, with their story, James Gunn did such a great job and he did it in this uh fucking uh Suicide Squad, the most recent one of those two. You tell the story of the, of the characters as a team, as they're learning it together, you know what I mean? Like you tell the individual stories while you're telling the team story. And they didn't do that in this either. Yeah. They split them up too early. They started together and they split them up too early. Some of the better scenes of the movie are when the characters are together, interacting together, but not even when they're fighting, just when they're talking or sitting and discussing things those are some of the best parts of the movie but you don't get very many of that because you have to split up tell everybody's story try to develop everybody this then the other you have to jump around so you couldn't really have those genuine moments like like you're talking about with guardians or like the suicide squad you couldn't even really have a lot of moments like that but the times when you did the movie kind of stepped up a bit you know like when they all went to uh um oh my god the car- the the smart the the black guy man I'm drawing a blank on his but anyway Brian Tyree Fastos. Henry's character Fastos when they all went to his house that was one of the better parts of the movie where they were just talking and well, yeah, you got to the, see his family and just but even then they still out. split them up because only yeah. like two of them went there. Like keep the fucking team yeah, together as you're doing all this. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you're right. Some people were still missing. So yeah. Yeah. Oh man, this fucking movie. All right, I'm out.